Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Aren't you glad that we have a God we can trust? Amen. Thank you so much, Madeline, for that beautiful special. And tonight, I want you to take your Bibles for the time that remains. We're turning together to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We've been in 1 Peter, now in 2 Peter. And we know that the theme is our behavior, our life, our testimony, our witness in these end times of apostasy. Uh, can, we, can we maintain uh, without panic our calm assurance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer is, of course, yes, we, we can. And, and uh, we have uh, uh, tonight some, uh, some wonderful, wonderful things that we're going to share. And so I'm going to ask you to turn with me uh, to the first chapter, 2 Peter, beginning at verse 16, where we have been for several weeks. And there it says in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty, His magnificence. This is Peter giving a personal testimony of the truth, the credibility of the gospel. The gospel is the real deal. Now, verses 17 and 18 last week. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And this, of course, is a review of the experience that they had. Uh, we've sung the song, I was there when it happened and I ought to know. Uh, every person who has ever been saved got saved the same way, but the details were different. And this is what Peter is talking about. In the presence of Jesus Christ, when not once, but several times, uh, the affirmation came from heaven that Jesus Christ is God the Son. It happened at His baptism. It happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was uh, un, uh, unbelievable. It was... It was uh, supernatural. It was unforgettable. And it was the, I mean, the one experience of their life they're not ever, ever, ever going to forget when they saw Jesus transfigured. Now we come tonight to verse 19. We, that's all of us, have also a more sure word of prophecy. We do now. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And moving on, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now we're going to take verses 20 and 21 next week, but tonight, verse number 19. Continuing in the thought that we began several weeks ago, God wrote only one Bible. This is part number three. And we would subtitle this, The Brightest Light in the Darkest Night. The Brightest Light in the Darkest Night. Our Heavenly Father, please fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me now in the moments that we have to be able to make clear to every person here what a wonderful truth Peter is sharing with us that we've got something that's even better than anything that may have been experienced by the apostles. And we thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you hold your Bible up? 
Just hold it up. And I don't know if you can say with the psalmist, how love I thy law, but uh, we ought to love it. Our delight ought to be in it day and night. We ought to love this book. And there are many reasons why we ought to love this book. And one of them is because the scripture that we have read tonight testifies, testifies that this that you're holding in your hand is better than what was experienced firsthand by the apostles in the presence of Jesus. Wow! All right, you can put your Bible down. Rest a moment. Yes. What we have in the Word of God is better. It's spoken of as a more sure word of prophecy. More certain than what they experienced when they heard the voice of God at the baptism of Jesus Christ and saw the dove descending, the, the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and were there, and they, their eyes and their hearts were just filled with the experience of Jesus Christ. Think about it. What would you give to see Jesus Christ baptized? What would you give to be up there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus and those two Old Testament saints, and hear God say, this is my beloved son. Wow. And yet Peter is saying by inspiration, the book that you're holding in your hand is better than if you had been there. You have a more sure word of prophecy. We ought to value this book for that alone. Wow. Wow. We have a more sure Word of prophecy. Now the words more sure, I want you to write somewhere in the margin. Stable, firm, trustworthy. Stable, firm, trustworthy. When those winds were blowing in from the hurricane, maybe down in the Bahamas, the only hope anybody had was to get some place that was stable, firm, and trustworthy. If you're going to be stuck in a hurricane, if you're going to be stuck in the, the darkness of a storm, then you've got to have something that's stronger than the wind, stronger than the storm. We have something that's stronger than the storms of our life. I want you to think about the storms you've been through, the tests, the challenges to your faith. A death, a loss of a job, loss of friends, all kinds of things can happen in life. Disappointments. And when those disappointments occur, we feel like we're in the eye or about to get hit with the backside of that hurricane. And uh, it's just terrible. But we've got something that is stable, firm, and trustworthy. And more so, more so than if we'd been there to hear God speak. Because we've got God speaking through the Bible. God talks in a still small voice by the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. John chapter 16 and verse number 13. I believe that. I believe when I sit down to read the Bible, it's just like having the author right there saying, now this is what I meant when I wrote this. And this is what I meant when I wrote that. Because we've got the author inside of us, the Holy Spirit you've been saved, then the Holy Spirit is inside and He guides us into all truth. So we understand 
the finer points and the meaning that God wants us to get, the application that He wants us to make of each passage of Scripture. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Don't kid yourself. This is a very dark world. Very dark world. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We haven't time to get through all of this. But Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. People are in spiritual darkness. Why? Because they're lost. That's why they need the light. All right? Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 79. Luke 1 and 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In addition to being lost, they're facing the reality of death. They're in the very shadow of death. You know, when someone's close by you, you end up in their shadow. Death is close to people who are lost. Do you know they're half a heartbeat from eternity? Do you know they need the light? All right, let's move on. Luke 22. Luke 22 and verse 53. When I was daily with you in the temple, Jesus is saying, He stretched forth no hand against me. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. So when Jesus Christ was taken and uh, was placed under arrest and was tried by the kangaroo court and was crucified, it was not only a time of physical darkness when darkness covered uh, that noonday uh, scene at, Cal at Cal uh, Calvary, but also it was a time of of spiritual darkness, the darkness of the hearts and the intents of evil and wicked men coming out and being displayed in such a vivid fashion when Jesus was crucified. So we have people who are lost in darkness, people that are in the shadow of death because there's no hope, then showing their wickedness in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. On and on and on. The scripture says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And so what is needed? We need the light of the gospel to cut through the darkness of this lost world. So the Bible says, as Peter is writing in 2 Peter 1.19, Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Take heed. Now this is very very strong language. It, it means to listen. It means to give our uh, obedient uh, uh, attention to. So take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So what is it? Well, Jesus is coming back. And we know that when He comes, this old darkened world is going to be lightened once again. When Jesus comes to rule and reign, it's going to be a time of, of light and not a time of darkness. But in the meantime, we're engulfed in the darkness of sin, lostness, and, and uh, the imminence of death and the wickedness that crucified Jesus Christ, the sinfulness of mankind. 
the, the sin that men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Well, we have a light that's brighter than that. The brightest light in the darkest night. I don't care where you've been. I've been in some dark places. There are some places not too far from here. If you're driving at night, it is absolutely impossible to see where you're going. They don't have street lamps on every corner, and it's very, very dark. You get out on some of these highways as you're going through the mountains, and it's like there's no light. If there's not a starry night and the moon is not shining, you've got a problem out there in the darkness. Well, this world is in a state of spiritual darkness. Jesus is coming back, but in the meantime, we've got a light that shines in a dark place. We've got the light of the truth, of the Word of God. This is the brightest light in the darkest night. And praise God for that wonderful, wonderful truth that we have uh, the privilege of serving in this respect. We need to hide God's Word in our heart so that we can be the light. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But then He said to each of us that we are the lights. We are the lights. We're to reflect His light. We have a hymn in our songbook. It's entitled, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. I remember one man in our former ministry, whenever we'd have requests for specials, he always raised his hand, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. And the story of that song is an interesting one. That along the, the bluffs uh, that surround the Great Lakes, at the top of some rocky uh, bluffs, some ridges, are lighthouses. And these lighthouses in the days, the great shipping days of the past, would be a guide, a beacon, to those ships that would be out on the rough waters of the Great Lakes, trying to make their way in and, and, and make, make their way maybe to uh, uh, one of the ports uh, there in Ohio, for example, or, or one of the ports in, in uh, Michigan, trying to make their way in. And so they would be, there would be lighthouses up on those rocky expanses. But they, the, uh, the captains, the pilots of those boats, could not get the proper perspective unless in those stormy, dark conditions, unless someone would come and along the shoreline would either have bonfires burning or lamps lit and burning along the shoreline. That way... They could get the perspective. They could see the great light at the top. But they needed the smaller lights to see where the rocks were. Now, are you listening to me? This is where we come in with the Word of God, a more sure word of prophecy. It's 2019, 21st century. We're just about out of time, folks. It's just about the end. Jesus is coming back. When He comes back, His light for a thousand years will be upon this earth. That's true. But until that happens, we are the lights. Now, we're not the great light. We're not the great lighthouse up there on the Rocky Bluffs. We're the lower lights along the shore so that those lives in the meantime won't be lost in the rocks. Let the lower lights be burning. Let me ask you a question. Is your light, your testimony, shining before men? They may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Is the lower light burning? Are those folks out there on the rough waters 
of life? Are they going to be able to make it in without crashing on the rocks? Where's your testimony? Where's your light? Is it a bright light? We have something that's better than if we'd been there to hear God the Father speak at the baptism and the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. We've got the Word of God. It's that valuable. Let the lower lights be burning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Let the lower lights be burning. Yes. Send a beam across the wave. Some poor, some poor fainting seaman, somebody about to go under. You may rescue. You may save. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved right now, would you pray from your heart to God something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up please? Anyone